Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> They're the in crowd, we're the other ones It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from We let our colors show where the numbers ain't We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint That's who we are This is the Mike Keller Show That's how we roll Call the show at 877-729-1070 The Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show The now, here's Mike Keller. I will not get high, then I'll never get stained when we saddle up and ride on in the pole and rain. There's just so many things to touch on as we get uh, under way today. And I'll tell you off the top that we're at the Cole Center. It is the Swish Upon a Cure event. And it is a, a fantastic event that gets underway in the next 30 minutes or so. And we'll go to the early portion of the evening. And this began when when Wisconsin did this under Bo Ryan, and it continues now with Greg Gard. It's a campus event, so this is a student involvement event, but let's make no mistake about this. This is to raise money for cancer research in the Carbone Cancer Center, and it stays right here. So it is a great event. Greg Gard will join us a little bit later in the program, uh, but not to bury the lead. The storyline today is twofold. One, it's Game 3 of the National League Championship Series the Brewers and the Dodgers from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, and it's a Packers Monday night football game at Lambeau. Now, it, th- there's varying degrees of importance in both. The, the Brewers would be best suited to win their second game of the series today or tomorrow. I know that seems obvious, but you're going against Walker Buehler tonight, who is outstanding. And Clayton Kershaw is going to go Wednesday. You did already beat Kershaw but you don't want to roll that set of dice again and have Game 5 be an elimination game. So what essentially has happened over the weekend in Game 1 and 2 on Friday and Saturday in Milwaukee is that this has now been transformed into a best-of-five, and the Dodgers have home field advantage. So the Brewers need to steal home field advantage tonight or tomorrow night. So got to get right after it. Chassin and Walker Bueller tonight. There's a lot of conversation about what happened on Saturday. And I get it, because everything is magnified. Put whatever the number you want in front of it. Ten times, 20 times, 50 times, 100 times, magnification in the postseason. So every individual move gets heightened in its importance. Every individual execution after a move gets heightened in its importance. So when Craig Council made the move from Wade Miley in the sixth inning on Saturday with two outs, it began a revolving door of conversation about that move, then about the move that brought in Jeremy Jeffress, his work, and that he came back out in the eighth. All of that was magnified, and it went front and center when a couple of things happened. The Dodgers took advantage of the opportunity, and they erased a 3 nothing deficit for the Brewers, a 3 nothing lead into the seventh inning with two in the seventh and two in the eighth. And the Brewers, although they had their moments of opportunity with Curtis Granderson hitting one to the wall in right field, 
that would have given the Brewers the lead back in the bottom of the eighth inning. And then with a runner in scoring position and two outs in the bottom of the ninth and Kristen Yelich, the MVP at the plate, neither of those things came to fruition. They didn't work. They weren't executed. And the Brewers end up losing 4-3. And now it makes tonight incredibly important. So there's always going to be ridicule. There's going to be first guessing and second guessing. There's going to be a look back at why did they do this? Why didn't they do this? But the whole concept of malfeasance on the managerial decisions made on Saturday, to me, is at once silly and ridiculous. I understand it. I get it. But it's wrong. And, of course, in a game of subjectivity, which is the world we live in as fans and those who cover the teams, the subjective nature of the criticism of those decisions are always part of sport. You know, and I I know that Joel Finkelman and I have been in on Twitter And Joel and I get along famously. I like what he does. But we can have a different opinion of this. And I can tell you at the end of the day, although it's subjective, he's wrong. So I welcome in John Audius. John's on the program today. Hi, John. What's going on? Hey, fellas. Uh, Here we go. Let's adjust this. Uh, Hey, fellas. Do I sound okay to you? I sound weird to me. Hey, fellas. What's up? You do sound weird to me. But that's just every day, John. That's every day. It has nothing to do with the microphone or headset or not being in the same location because I am at the Cole Center and you are at our studios. But, no, weirdness is just part of how you sound. Uh, I mean, I don't have an issue. I think what happens is you two are arguing different points um, and at the same time arguing the same point. So here, the same point. Okay, so Finkelman thinks that Jeffers should not have been brought out for the eighth inning in game two. You, on the other hand, feel he should have. And then, like, your focus solely on that is that is the correct decision. And I agree with you. I don't have an issue with that. But then then the, the argument transforms into whether or not Jeffers is struggling. And then that argument, I think, is the, the bigger one, um, at least in my opinion, where I agree with, with Finkelman. And I, I think I agree with almost every Brewers fan. I think Jeffers is struggling right now, and I, and I don't and know I, why that I, is. And I would agree that he struggled in the division series against Colorado, and I don't think his stuff was great in that series, in his appearances. But his stuff against the Dodgers, both on Friday night and Saturday, listen, now you, you know what I do here, is that I was in Ann Arbor with Badger football when the game is going on Saturday, but you know I have it DVR'd. So when I got back in the conversation with Joel – I went through the seventh and eighth inning with uh, with Jeremy Jeffress, and I charted every pitch. I charted which, what every pitch was, yeah. what its velocity was, what its location was, <laughs> okay. and what happened. Okay, all right. And there's nothing wrong with his stuff when he comes in in the seventh inning. Now, it gives up a bloop single to right, a fly ball that you think is that's got to get caught. When he comes on after Burns has first and second, nobody out, you go get Jeffress. In the seventh inning, still leading three nothing, right? We're going to probably bury our three at three by me doing this. Are you okay with that? Uh, I'm sorry, say that again. I said we're probably going to bury our three at three by me doing this. Oh, uh, jeez. Okay, whatever. Go for it. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll be as quick as I can be. Um, so when he comes in, he gives up a bloop single to right field. Now. It probably should be caught. Yelich is playing deep to begin with because you don't want to be in no doubles defense. But he takes a false step. He takes a step back before it comes in and the ball falls. All right? All right. It happens. But then what he does, and that's on an 82-mile-an-hour curveball. And uh, that's a good pitch after a 95-mile-an-hour fastball. It was on a 
It was on a 1-0 pitch. He does his job. Doesn't get the out. Now the bases are loaded. Nobody's out. And he strikes out Yasiel Puig in an eight-pitch at bat. And he was fantastic. He had a 97-mile-an-hour fastball on Puig. He was between 96 and 97 on his fastballs and 83 miles an hour on the curve that he struck him out on after he struck him out on an 84-mile-an-hour curve that they called a check swing and that he didn't go. Okay. But he did. Okay. He did. All right. All right. All right. So yeah. two hitters in, and he's fine. And then Austin Barnes, all you've got to do on the Barnes at bat is, again, look at his stuff, 95-mile-an-hour fastballs, 82-mile-an-hour mm-hmm. curveballs, and he missed on a curve or a splitter on a 3-2 pitch. The John Smoltz, who I think is brilliant, Smoltz says, wow, what a great take. Either completely fooled or super disciplined. That gets a lot of hitters out. I'm great with that pitch. That's what Smoltz says. It is a bases loaded walk. But these are high-pressure situations. And then what does he do? He gets a ground ball double play to get out of the inning. Bases are loaded and nobody's out. And he gives up a run. A run. So you're going to bring him out for the eighth. And when you bring him out for the eighth, he's still throwing 95s. He gives up a 35-foot infield single, and then Justin Turner beats him. Turner beats him as he turns on a 91-mile-an-hour fastball. Hit it over the wall. Well, I think the doesn't it, can it come down to a little bit? And I understand he's had some unlucky moments, and I don't think anyone is saying he hasn't had unlucky moments because just by the nature of what you said, 35-foot single or whatever, and there were some other uh, moments early on, or in the in the other games he pitched, but he's given up eleven hits in four, just over four innings of work, right? And he's given up four earned runs in those four innings. His ERA is over seven. I mean, yes, he's getting unlucky with a couple here and there, but he's also not the same. There's some. I mean, I don't know. What's, I, I, see, you uh, and I would totally disagree on that. But then why why is why is his ERA so high? Because baseball, that's this is what baseball does. Listen, here's the difference. Here's what I'll tell you, and and I'm not trying to say to you or to our listeners or to Joel that that I know more about this moment than you do. I'm just saying that the Brewers' pitching coach, their manager, their front office, uh, David Stearns, um, everybody in that picture, in the baseball-centric picture for the Brewers, is not looking at the hits and runs number that we are. They're looking at how is he throwing? What is his velocity? Where's his location? What's his movement? Is there an issue? No. Otherwise, it's just baseball. And and what I hear you and Joel and, and many others doing is saying, look at all the hits he's given up. And he's responsible for those runs. And I'm just telling you, you can believe me or not, the manager and the pitching coach and the front office isn't looking at that because that ends up being baseball. They're looking at him. What's his stuff? What's his location? What's and his do you velocity? think they're not looking at him right now and wondering why? No. Think, I, I would. You, how could I you know, not? but that's, that's the difference. <laughs> but because, how could John, you not? because the game is analytics, and the game is analytics. What's his stuff? Where's his location? What's his velocity? Because after that, all bets are off. Baseball is baseball. Broken bats do end up being hits. You don't take a pitcher out because he's giving up broken bat hits. That's just baseball. And that's 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 the jumping off point for me and Joel, and in this case you, is that we're not going to agree on this because you guys look at it 
as hits and runs. And yes, that's the end result. But they look at what precedes the hits and runs. Was that hit soft contact or hard contact? Are they on him? Are they hitting him all over the park? Are, you know, and Turner did. He hits one over the wall. But that was the exception. Um, Jeffress in the two games against the Dodgers gives up what I would say one really hard hit ball to Turner. And that's, you know, shoot, it's Justin Turner. Look at his slash line in the second half and his LCS a year ago. But the only other hard hit ball was Kemp's single, and it's a ground ball that other, you know, in many cases well, I don't is a double any, play ball. I don't think anyone else is. I think you're you're misconstruing at some level, too, what I think many fans like myself and like Finkelman and like Pilch and um, others are, are saying about Jeffers. Like, I don't think any one of us are saying if they need to use Jeffers tonight, don't use him. Like, you still have to use him because he still is a good pitcher, and there's still good pitches within him. But I think we look at it and say, this is by far, I mean, if you just look at month by month, Pilch did this earlier today on the rundown. Can't do it. It's a mistake. Can't do it. What do you, why would you compare July to October? I'm just saying, it hits to innings pitched. Like, this is, this yeah, is one John, of the bad again, stretches he's had this you year. Guys, you guys are looking at hits. And they're looking at hard-hit balls. How about the four earned runs? You're, again, you guys are looking <laughs> at old-gen stats, hits and earned runs. They're looking at who's making solid contact, who's barreling him up. Well, there's only been one barreled-up hit. That was Turner. And that's, like I said, I guess we're that's not, the we're point. The saying... jumping-off point is they look at it analytically, and you're looking at it from a runs and hits standpoint. So you don't think is, there's anything wrong with – let's just get to this question. In the, in the forget, forget analytics, series. forget yep. runs, forget hits, forget miles per hour. Is there anything different about Jeremy Jeffress? There was in the Colorado series, I thought his numbers were down. But in the two games against the Dodgers, there's nothing different about Jeremy Jeffress from his peak, as you guys want to compare it to in July, August, whenever it was, to right now, nothing I, his performance on Friday night and his performance Saturday, um, his stuff, location, what he's doing, fantastic. So it, he's just one bad pitch or one lucky at bat to Justin. No, no, Turner. I don't think I don't think it was lucky. Turner did not get lucky. Turner's a great hitter. Yeah, I, you know, I think when, he described when it. I think Jeffers described it. Jeffers was very frustrated, and yeah. he was talking about probably the other elements. It, for, forget, forget about that word, and I just used that because yeah, he, he used walked that it word. Back. So, so. Besides that one pitch, you're fine with what Jeffress is. Absolutely. See, but why do you take out the NLDS? That was just a few. That was just like a week ago. Well, because why would you if, not because, include that? Because if you looked at his analytics in the NLDS, his his tick, he was down three ticks. He was throwing his fastball at 91. Now, in Friday and Saturday, he's throwing his fastball between 95 and 97. Well, I think we're it's, talking about four, five, six miles an hour. I mean, I think most fans, when you look at the postseason, you, I mean, it's not that long of a stretch here. Where he, when was uh, when was the first game he pitched? What day was? No, no, week but was again, that? I mean, like look I, at look at stuff. I mean, he had he had pitched on um, okay, he so pitched he, on Sunday in Denver. I know you're and, saying look at stuff, and I and yeah. I understand that 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 factors in. I understand there has been there have been some luck. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses that should brighten your day a little 
Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Get bats against him. Uh, I totally agree with that. And if I'm Craig Council, I go to him again. Um, it, it, me as a fan, though, I'm like, I'm a little, my confidence is, sh- like, if he comes into the game, I'm going to be even more so um, on the edge of my seat than I would have been if it was sure, just a, a normal Jefferson, because I don't know what I'm going to get from him. And if that's you just human look, nature, and if you look, I mean, if, if you're going to use the numbers and miles per hour, which go ahead, that's fine, that's that's fair. Um, I mean, his this series, he has an ERA of thirteen and a half. That's, I mean, come on. And two, what and are we one, doing? One third innings. What are we? What are we doing here? I mean, that's silly. Well, I mean, what, what, so I can't use statistics. I, no, guess, you're using you're using his. You know, why using, can't you John, just use your eyeballs? Yeah, like, I, that's what I'm telling you to do. I know, and and my eyeball sees some some you, no, lucky no, no. hits. You're, no, your eyeball sees the result. You see the hits and the runs. But you didn't it, you didn't put any factor into. There's only one barreled up ball there. I don't know, man. I think Jeffress is shaky at this point. I think I think you guys are out of whack on this, and I, I, I mean, I I I know it. From how would you phrase the conversations? How would you phrase an instapol on this? I wouldn't because <laughs> I would I wouldn't and here's the reason John Why? I I totally understand what you see what Joel's seeing and what the fan base is seeing and I'm I'm just simply saying to you I'm serving as a conduit between that view and how the Brewers view it and they are not viewing it that way they view what his stuff is and how many times he's getting barreled up and getting hit hard and that's a totally different scenario than, I mean, they just simply put away the 35-foot single. They simply put away the bloop single to right. Now, they don't put away Justin Turner's home run. But sometimes, you know, man against man, great pitcher against great hitter, makes a pitch, and the hitter saw it, guessed it, turned on it, and drove it. That's what Turner did. Right, and, and, and my and my eyes see, you're right, and he, there was a great hitter against a great pitcher this year, and the great hitter won that showdown. I, and I get that at a, at a certain level, too. And if that was the only kind of hiccup he had, I'd be like, hey, what are you going to do, man? Just, give, me an, give me another one where one, somebody, where somebody drilled one against, where people are just hitting him all over the yard. I'm just saying, give me an example when he gave up two runs in game one of the NLDS, when he got pulled in game three, when they had that 6 nothing lead, they decided okay, to go with somebody right. else, when he got pulled in game five, when he gave up the, the home run to Turner in game, or I'm sorry, in game one, when he got uh, gave up the home run to Turner in game two. Like, there's been, out of his five postseason outings, there's only been one. And, where he and looks I'm, like old Jeremy Jefferson. So, so this is the part for me where where we just so totally disconnect. You're looking at the result. I know, but that's how you look at sports. No, no, no. That's how fans look at sports. I'm just telling you from inside the dugout and from upstairs in their analytics, they're not looking at that part. They may we, not be, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't seem like Jeffress is. There's something different with Jeffress. No, there isn't. <sighs> I don't know. Considering the fact that he was he couldn't go late in the season because of what well, they call the neck issue, then what they said was because he was having some sort of epileptic right. yeah. is, issues. Game one sixty three, not available in one sixty three, not available. And then yep. he comes in and and gives up the lead or whatever, or to, you know Colorado in game one. Just there's it feels like there's something connected there. Everything think, in the last think, two weeks. Uh, I think when we visited with Tom Hardercourt after the game one in the um, division series against Colorado and he talked about the Jeffress um, ninth inning situation, 
who am I thinking of? The the former Brewer that uh, served up a single into right field. Um, who went to Baltimore and then into Colorado. I'll think of his name in a minute. Um, he had a really good series. He was going to hit everybody. He had a good um, wild card game against the Cubs. Um, so when he got the single, that was one thing. Then there was another, I believe, ground ball single. And then Blackman hits the foul ball, right? The one that just misses the line. Where did that hit Blackman's bat? Right out on the end. It wasn't a home run foul. It was, you know, 30 feet short of the wall off the end of the bat. Then he did square one up on a single to right. Then Jeffress gets out. Now, I didn't think Jeffress had a good game two or a good game three in the uh, division series, but I think his stuff in the championship series in both Thursday, in Friday night and Saturday was fantastic. All you got to do is go look at the pitches. And that's what the Brewers are doing. All right, we'll, we'll get we'll get to the listeners. I know that there's a bunch of you lined up, and don't forget we'll get to Don Banks after three thirty. We need to take a break. I knew I was going to be long in this segment, and I am. I've been waiting all weekend to talk about this. Uh, Don Banks, theAthletic.com after three thirty. We'll get to your calls eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy eight seven 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 two nine ten seventy. Back in a moment. Statewide. This is the Mike Heller Show. Back with you on the Mike Heller Show. It is a busy Monday. We're at the Kohl Center. It is swish upon a cure. And look at, you know, I'm not going to bring him on today, but it, I'm so excited standing right in front of me right now is Jeff Petrikas. It's good to have him back. He'll be on the radio with us tomorrow. Um, he, he's been under the weather and, in fact, missed the road trip to Ann Arbor and missed our appearances last week. But Petrikas is here. Um, I can say this. He's not wearing Brewers gear, which I'm disappointed in. But he is here, uh, so it's good to see Jeff back. We had a, a whole first segment conversation, which I knew we would do. I, I, I had to live on the Twitter uh, as far as the conversations about the Brewers and Jeremy Jeffress uh, from over the weekend. And that series is now even at a game apiece, game three tonight at Dodger Stadium in L.A. First pitch will be just after 6.30, and, uh, and it'll be interesting. Yoli Shasin and Walker Bueller is the matchup tonight. Let's uh, run to the phones here because Don Banks will join us after the bottom of the hour. Let's begin with John in Milwaukee. John, welcome to the show. Hello. Mike, how are you? All good. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Well, I, I, gotta, I, I love your passion. I love how you defend baseball. I love how you are a mix of next-gen and old-school. But you can't come on the radio and say that Jeremy Jeffers had outstanding stuff and great command when he didn't in Game 2. He walked Austin Barnes with the bases loaded, and he was behind that account the, the entire at-bat. He was never ahead. And that walk... First pitch run. is called, hey, hey, hold on. If you're going to do this, first pitch is called yeah. a strike. Go ahead, I'm here. He's 0-1. You said he's never ahead in the account to Austin Barnes. He started him with a strike. Then, then three straight balls afterwards, Mike. Correct. But yeah, that, but look that's at look at finishing off the bat, and that's not good stuff. Oh, it's great stuff. No, it's not I mean great that, stuff when you throw a three-two slider that's eight inches off the plate. It wasn't eight. Did hitter. you? Were you? Uh, where were you? Were you in the in the arena or watching on TV? Did you hear what John? Did you hear what John Smoltz had to say about that pitch? 
Smoltz said, wow, on, what a Come great on. take. Either completely Mike. fooled or super disciplined. That gets our most great hitters out. Take to a 200 hitter. Austin Barnes, you have got to pitch to him and put, have him put the okay. ball in play. I, I, listen, I, I understand that, that concept. Um, I, I will err with John Smoltz on that one. I'll take him as, a, as an argument partner on that front and uh, say that it's a great uh, – and he did, and he does have great stuff. I mean, just look at the analytics. Look at, look at what he – and then what does he do to Puig? Strikes out Puig and then the Barnes at bat, and then he gets Grandal, who is a great hitter, to end the inning on a double play ball. So Jeffress comes in, gets, gives up a bloop single, so now they're loaded and nobody out, and he gets out of it with one run, and you're saying he's not good enough. Didn't have good stuff. Who's next, John? Uh, we lost our next call. Let's go to Dan. Hi, Dan. How are you? Hey, good. You? I'm all right. Good, good. Yeah, um, as far as the Jeffress thing, you know, I didn't. I don't have a great deal of heartburn with anything you're saying because, I mean, baseball is baseball. I, I get all of that. But the only thing I would say, I was sitting in my chair screaming to leave Wade Miley in yet because here's a guy, if you want to apply the same set of standards that we applied to Jeffress, he allowed one pretty hard-hit ball right away in the first inning that Lorenzo Kane luckily grabbed. Yeah. Other than that, I think it was uh, his next hit was that little duck snort or little bleeder through the infield in the sixth inning. So, I mean, to me, if you use the same analytics, I mean, to me, I would have left my land. Yeah, that, I, 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 I totally get that argument, Dan. I do. Yeah. And I uh, think that Miley had retired 16 in a row or 15 of 16 before the – it wasn't a duck snort, though. It was a line drive single to center that preceded Miley coming out of the game. To your point, I, I've, I have no issue with those who have an issue that council made a pitching change there. That is, that is an argument that I think is fair on that side of it. And, you know, whether uh, Craig Council in that moment – managed as the formula that the Brewers have put together or if they just felt the analytics worked. Now, it did work in that inning, right, because Barnes uh, get, or Burns rather gets out of the inning uh, on the next hitter, but then it sets up Burns to go back out there in the seventh, and he didn't have it in the seventh. He gave up uh, the first two uh, hitters, got aboard. The Wade Miley thing, I'm kind of mixed feelings on that, although overall – I think it's hard to say to a, a staff, to a manager, to a coach that has a plan. And I know some of this is kind of a fluid situation too, but that has a plan on how he wants to manage the pitching staff to, to, to say, okay, well, just go away from that plan for a little bit now. Because yeah. the second you do that, that's usually when everything you know falls apart and then you second guess yourself, why didn't I stay to the plan? So I guess if you have the plan and you, you stick to it, I got I to gotta honor that. And the same people were um, in game one of the DS said, why are you taking out Woodruff when he had gone three innings with nothing? there's a plan, yeah. And then why did you take out Burns when he had gone two innings with nothing? Because you do have to trust your plan. You can, you can quibble with that, and you can quibble with Miley coming out in the sixth, with two outs in the sixth inning on Saturday, and I get that. But my issue is – mainly for those that had an issue that Jeffress went back out for the eighth. I, uh, I didn't have a problem with that, period. Well, Zero. Yeah, and I uh, honestly, overall, I didn't, but I still think we disagree. Like, I, I think we agree that he, he it's a fine that he came back out for the eighth inning. I was okay with it. 
Um, and I, I mean, I want Council to go to Jeffress when he wants to go to Jeffress in this game too, because there's still part of me that says it's there, it's it's still there somewhere within him, and maybe he'll find it. But well, then there's it, a it, there's it, a whole other part. That's of me where that's we a, differ. You think he's got to find something? <laughs> well, because I don't. I mean, I look at the results, and I understand yeah, you're stop. saying look at the. Well, I mean, at some level, you have to look at results. No, no. I mean, Over the I course think you of do. five yeah, games here, in the here, postseason. Uh, somebody uh, who I respect a lot just sent me a text. He said, you're, you're talking checkers. A baseball guy is talking chess. All right, so the Brewers are looking the, at this in the world of chess. And those who are looking at, well, give, giving up the hits and the runs, you're playing checkers. And they, they just are not going to look at it that way. The guy that looks at it that way that's managing or coaching, um, he's at the high school level. How many times has he had to be pulled during the postseason, though, Mike? When? He got, pulled, he got pulled in uh, game three in Denver. Okay, and he blew the lead in Game One at Miller Park. He did. He got out of that inning, John. He did get out of the inning. That's he true. He didn't get pulled. Okay, but he also gave up two runs. Yeah, but you, you're again <laughs> right again, John. How did he give them up? Oh. Well, I, we know. I, I know he gave up two. See, runs you're just on, living in the world that he runs. gave them up. I know he gave up two runs on Saturday. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. Um, Mike, his ERA is seven. Yeah, stop it. Okay. Uh, Don Banks from what? theAthletic.com. He will walk us around the it's, National Football League. Stop it. That's what you're you're like, making a you're making like, a, a terrible mistake when you're going to tell me what his ERA is. I mean, I don't know. It's like you've I, got to look at how he's throwing the baseball. You're, you're basically how did saying, he throw it Friday and Saturday? You're basically how did he throw it? you're telling every Brewers fan out there that don't trust. Your gut feeling about Jeffers because he's had an up and down postseason, and don't look at the stats of how many hits he's given up, and don't right. look at the stats of how many runs he's given up, and don't look at his ERA. Yeah. Just look at how fast he throws the baseball. No, nope, look at how he throws the baseball. <sighs> Where well, is it? I guess he, I, made, he made a mistake. Turner hits a not great pitch. So if a, if, 91 if a batter's, up the inside corner, if a batter's, give Turner the credit. If a batter's struggling or whatever, I can't use statistics on that to say he's been bad or good. How's he swinging a bat? Are they hitting line drives at fielders? You know, when everybody was all over Braun for a time when he was barreling up more balls than anybody in baseball and hitting them right at somebody, and people are saying, sit him down, he can't hit, he can't get it done. No, the Brewers don't look at it. Baseball doesn't look at it that way. How many? They view it through a different prism. And their prism, I'm telling you, is the smart one. That's the chess one. I pray, the prism we're looking at is checkers. I pray, and I, I know every Brewers fan agrees, that he comes into the game in a big moment and, and just shuts everybody down, and we can talk t- about tomorrow about how great he was. And I really hope that he doesn't have a hiccup because this is going to be awful. Don Banks of TheAthletic.com, Patriots.com, walking around the NFL. He joins us when we come back. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Statewide, this is the Mike Heller Show.
Back with you at the Swish Upon a Cure event at the Kohl Center in Madison. The students are now starting to shoot their free throws and half-court shots, all for money for cancer research in the Carbone Cancer Center, courtesy of Greg Gard and the University of Wisconsin. This is a great day for a great purpose. That's where we are, and we're talking all other things on this day. Don Banks, TheAthletic.com, Patriots.com, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison, where you get two years prepaid maintenance on any new or used car purchase, MetroFordOfMadison.com. Hi, Don. How are you? I'm good, Mike. Good to be uh, with going you. back to Houston, uh, game three tomorrow. Today's a travel day. That series is now even at a game apiece. Let's start there. What do you think of your Red Sox? Saturday night for game one was one of the most uh, painful and frustrating games I ever sit through. But you know what? They, they answered last night. David Price didn't get the win. Um, they did it kind of in reverse of the Brewers. Uh, Brewers let Hey, uh, John, let's see if we can get a, a better um, signal from Don. Um, hard to make out what he's saying. Sometimes we can read between the lines, but not enough uh, there. So maybe we can find Don in a better spot. Let me know if we do, and uh, we'll jump back into that conversation. You know, he's, he's talking about, listen, if Boston loses last night, that series might very well be done because you can't go to Houston down 0-2. Uh, yeah. So we welcome back Don Banks. I think you were talking about, I mean, listen, uh, last night was huge for the Red Sox, right? You can't go to Houston down 2 nothing in the series. Now uh, it, the best thing that Boston can do and Milwaukee can do for that matter is find a way to win either t- uh, in game three or four. You don't want to get to game five and face elimination on the opposing team's field. So that's the goal for Boston and Milwaukee in Houston and Los Angeles, respectively. Yeah, I think yeah, they're in the exact same situation. I mean, now the home field advantage belongs to the two World Series participants from last year in L.A. and Houston. They're the favorites. They've got to find a way, both the Brewers and the Red Sox, to win one of the next two um, and, and to face a 2-2 but know that you're you're coming back to your home park at worst, down 3-2. Um, it's, it's very similar, I was going to say, to, to – Boston last night took the stage between what was going on in Foxborough, what was going on in Boston. I know they're not both at home tonight, but Wisconsin kind of takes the stage tonight. How is the attention, you know, in your world, it's your your part of the country, how is that attention split? Who owns the day last night between those two teams? Well, the TV ratings were huge for both. Um, the NFL, just by virtue of playing fewer games and obviously being the monster that, that, you know, carries the train forward is going to always win the ratings battle. But I think most, I, I would guess most kept an eye on both, either by flipping back and forth or we had friends who did the two, the two TV thing. Um, but it was one of those rare nights where it lined up um, as, as both teams playing at home, both with huge pivotal gains, and both of them, frankly, kind of lived up to the hype. So let me ask you about the, the football game in Foxborough last night. I mean, that's the NFL. That's what they want. A uh, ton of offense. Yeah. Wasn't a whole lot of defense. That's uh, that's a fantastic show put on with those two teams it, by the NFL's uh, description or uh, definition of what they want in the league. If you want to wonder why the NFL puts such a high priority on protecting quarterbacks, protecting playmakers, defenseless receivers, so forth, watch last night because, yes, 
Uh, I love I love a good 13 to 10 game if the defense is stout, but not everybody does, and they want last night back and forth, lead changes, uh, momentum shifts, and really, you know, the old and the young in terms of quarterbacks who are just out there making plays. And and Don, not to be too centric on that game, but when you talk about what the NFL wants in protecting quarterbacks, the biggest play of the game is protecting the quarterback. When a Kansas City uh, linebacker, I think, <laughs> let Brady go, thinking that the ball was out for risk of getting a penalty. Right? Yeah, second time I think in two weeks that we've had that. Maybe three weeks where a player admitted he had that rule on his mind, and I think that's that's a bad look for the NFL because. Yeah that says that they're affecting the outcome of the game inadvertently with the rule. It's not what they want, uh, but it's the, it's the anecdotal response by the players is yep. to, that he lets him go because Brady had pump faked, and I think you know he couldn't see it. He thought the ball's out, and I don't want to throw him down <laughs> now and get a penalty, and that's how that happened. Last quick thought, Packers tonight at home against San Francisco. It should be a walk, but it is incredibly critical for Green Bay to do what they need to do tonight, right? Yeah, I think they really need to put on a good performance. I mean, somewhat like Minnesota did yesterday, um, and even more convincing given that San Francisco is without so many players. Now, Cobb, no no Cobb, no um, Allison is going to hurt, but I think Green Bay should win this game double digits, but it's how they look that more than anything is going to calm the fears and, and the uh, anxieties of the Packers nation. Don Banks, we appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. I'm a Red Sox fan on his behalf, by the way, in their series. And I know he's pulling for the Brewers um, because he spent time here. Don Banks, TheAthletic.com, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison, MetroFordOfMadison.com. We're going to have a chance to visit with Greg Gard. I think they're going to walk him over here in the uh, top of hour number two, which comes up in a couple of minutes. Also in the second hour of the program, Pete Doherty, PackersNews.com. Let me... Let me um, walk something back here quick in the last 30 seconds. The Jeffress at bat with Barnes at the plate um, is not Austin Barnes. It's not a great at bat for Jeffress. He tried to get Barnes to swing out of the zone. I think his stuff was good. uh, And with the bases loaded, I think he was trying to get him to do something. But in any case... I, I get it. Uh, we'll visit with Greg Gard, Pete Doherty in the next hour on the mic. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. Into hour number two of the Mike Keller Show, we are at Swish Upon a Cure, which is at the Cole Center. It's a fundraising event for the Carbone Cancer Center and Cancer Research put on by Greg Gard, Wisconsin men's basketball, and the University of Wisconsin. Greg Gard is walking over now to put on the headset. While he does that, let me welcome you aboard. John Audius is not here. Usually he is, but today 
Uh, given the circumstances, John is back in the studios. Hi, John. Hey, fellas. What's up? Have I been banned from the Kohl Center now? No, because no, no. Because I have to call no. games there and stuff. Um, yeah. Uh, Greg Gard just asked for you to stay back in the studio oh, okay. today. Because of your opinions on Jeremy Jeffress, uh, Coach Gard and I were talking about that, and he said, uh, why don't you have John stay back in the studio? Oh, man. Yeah. Now I got Coach Gard upset. Yeah. Dang yeah. it. You can earn that back, John, depending on what you do when you go to uh, the Bahamas, right? Aren't you going? I'm going to the Bahamas, yeah. Yeah, depending on what you do, you'll be able to earn some favor back with How the coach. How crazy is that, by the way? Yeah, yeah it's not good at all. Uh, we do welcome in Coach Greg Gard. Coach, how are you? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Good. Um, you've been over at uh, Miller Park for at least one of the games? Uh, I haven't been there since July. Okay. Yeah, no, I but haven't. But you you, you've been paying close attention because close Isaac's attention. all into yes, it, right? Yes, Isaac was there. He was there for the for game okay. one. Isaac, uh, oh, for the win. Game one, yeah, for the win, Friday night. Now, um, so we live in a world in, in our business where, you know, we either criticize, fend off criticism, try to bring realism into it, and sometimes you're on the other end of that conversation. Um, how do you view, when you watch another sport, do you see it through a coach's lens? Do you see it through a fan's lens? Do you second guess? Um, I, I see it both. I yeah. think, and, and your world's pretty good right now. You got you well, yeah. a busy day between <laughs> yeah. Packers and, and Brewers no tonight, kidding. too. Um, you know, I I have a greater appreciation now being in, in obviously, in the profession and knowing those two guys, knowing Mike and, and getting a chance to spend some time with Craig, um, just knowing them as people. You, you, you hurt for them a little bit more when things don't go well, and you obviously are extremely happy when things do. So you probably have a, you ride, you're more emotionally attached because you know, being a coach, what you go through and you could you could push all the right buttons and the play doesn't turn out right. you could call the right play and the and somebody missed a block or you could whatever's uh whatever it may be um so you understand that there's a lot of variables that go into a play a game a season and you have an appreciation for those guys and a huge emotional investment from those who fill up this arena those who fill up miller park for big games big moments and sometimes it doesn't go right and right. then there is the, the second-guessing of it. it it's, to me, it's always interesting because you guys have so much time, thought, invested. There's nothing that's just done, hey, let's try this concept, right. uh, that it's all you know played together, put together, and you trust what your analytics, what your coaching, what your training has said, we're going to do this because this is our best opportunity. Right. And then it either and it's usually happens executed or doesn't. in practice or yeah. worked on in practice. and then it's still, you know, the other team's trying to win too. Yeah, you know, they're they're doing the same thing. They're trying to counter everything you're trying, and um, so that's that's the beauty of the game, regardless of sport. Uh, that it, you never know how it's going to turn out. You have to still have to play the game. You have to make plays. You have to have plays turn your way. Um, you know, you have to be able to execute for a long period of time consistently. And the teams that, you know, we've been around a lot of successful teams. We've seen a lot of successful teams in this state, regardless of sport. And uh, you appreciate the ones that you, when the ball bounces your way and you understand that there's going to be times um, where it doesn't. And you try to, you know, obviously you try to minimize those. But uh, I think that's the one thing that you have a greater perspective living it every yeah. day that uh, what all goes into it um, and how much is invested. In, in then it's a matter of can you execute in that moment. Do you view things based on the result so, I mean, because we do, right? I mean, the fans do. It, did the shot go in? Uh, did did the did, did the pitcher get the hitter out? The fans view it just as the result of it. 
do you see it differently because of what went into it? Yeah, Sometimes you'll you execute and somebody will miss a shot. It, you exactly. got the shot you wanted. Exactly. I mean, you could let's, – let's rewind to when we played Xavier. We run that side out of bounds play, the wagon wheel. It, yeah, it looks great because the ball went in. But if that doesn't go in and we go to overtime or, you know, we whatever the case may be and we lose the game, why didn't we try to get a better shot? Or, you know, you can, right. you can have a, pitch, a pitcher throw the right pitch and the hitter hits it where you're not shifted towards. Yeah. Or you have a right. shift on and the hitter defies analytics and puts it what the stats where the stats say he won't yeah. for the most part of the time. So, you again, it comes down, can you execute what happens in that given moment and the opportunity that you have? Yeah. So, it, not just the result, good or bad, it's how, how it the came The process, together. and you've yeah. got to play the law right. of averages. And, and over the course of a season, over the course of, you know, 65 possessions in a game, what gives you the best chance for success? Does it mean that in the 66th possession, the last one of the game, you, you may have, you know, it may not turn your way, but you try to play, and I think most coaches do that. You play, you design your system, you design your strategy over the course of a long haul, and you're going to play averages. You're going to try to stack it as much as in your favor as you can and not rely on a, not be so dependent on trying to make a splash play at the end. Visiting with Badger basketball coach Greg Gard. Let me ask you about today. Uh, you know, you guys are deep into preparation, getting ready to, to open up your season. Today's a little bit of a step back. You get to integrate with the entire student body. Your players get to do the same. And at the end of today, it's a money-raising right. venture for cancer research, which is the biggest story of the moment. Yeah, and it's it, what it is, it gives our, as you mentioned, our student-athletes, our players, it's kind of our, our version of Midnight Madness where they get a chance to interact with the players. Some of them they have in class are going to know some of the guys when they come in. But also there's a lot of people coming here that do not know our players and do not get a chance to personally interact. The next time they're going to see them is in a yeah. game environment, and they aren't going to come anywhere near them, at least if security holds right. does their job. <laughs> right. um, so it's a chance for them to interact and meet their fellow students, obviously get a chance for them to come in and take a shot at the Colt Center on the Colt Center floor. Uh, and then, like you mentioned, at the end of the day, uh, Michelle and I will write out our check based on wherever it is to uh, Guardian Against Cancer, and that money will stay right here in the state for research and patient care via Carbone and all the people that we work with across the state. So y- y- this is on the heels, again, and we're talking about student involvement. This is on the heels of going out on the, one of the hard surfaces with some of your players uh, on Friday, I think it was, and, and interacting in that way. What's the what's the mindset here? What's well, the going players on? that was that was players only yeah. on uh, on Thursday, and that was kind of a precursor to this. Yeah. just a student athlete engagement, you know, chance to for them to get a chance to meet their their fellow students and, and that interaction and. Um, you know, the we have a obviously a new student. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at thirty thousand feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Section name this year with Area Red. Yeah. That's kind of encompassing all sports. So it's a chance for them to get a chance to meet them, talk with them. I know they did some contests and some one-on-one. And yeah. uh, I saw a little bit of Twitter splash of it. What did, went did on? Did you have to them. remind them, you know, that... <laughs> Yeah, we well, actually I was at Big Ten Media Day, so yeah. I wasn't back for that. But uh, we always remind them when you're not in a practice to be cautious smart. and be smart. Yeah. yeah, we don't need to throw too many alley oop dunks <laughs> yeah. and uh, try to show off too much over on the blacktop. Right. 
So where are you on, on the process, Greg? You and I have had the, this conversation after the end of last year and getting healthier and integrating some, uh, reintegrating some of those players that missed a great deal of time last right. year. Brad Davison, shoulder stuff, Dimitri Trice, Kobe King, and then your incoming. Um, that's a lot to bring together. Uh, I know you're happy to do it. Right. Uh, how's that process? It, it's going well. I mean, we're 13. Today was the 13th day of practice. A little shorter today because of this event and trying to get down and have everybody go through their uh, post-practice procedure and then get here. Um, but I, I like the way they're working. There's a lot of pieces. Uh, you know, obviously we're still drilling, still teaching. Have done a minimal amount of five-on-five. We'll grow more into that as we go through the week. We did a little bit more today than we've done uh, over the past uh, week or so. Um, and we have the red-white game here on Sunday afternoon. So I, I like the approach they've taken. I like how they've prepared for the season, what they went through the spring and summer and early fall with conditioning. And, um, and now it's a matter for putting that all to collectively together as a team and, and see who's going to get what minutes. The competition's been pretty stiff in practice, and there's been some battles, and you know there's been bodies flying around. And we, uh, you know, they I think they're better because of it. And uh, I know they like they like the competition. You know, and it has been. It's been a mixed bag of lineups and just to make it competitive and to see who's going to, you know, step up and who's ready for what's coming down the road. There's a lot of interest in, in the mix of, of, you know, Brad Davison was kind of forced into a role last year because of injuries to try some right. Kobe and, and doing it with one shoulder. Now, does his role change even from a positional standpoint as to what he's asked to do and needs to do on the court? Well, in some regards, yes, uh, but I think the role that won't change is his leadership role yeah. and how he's kind of embraced that and, and really has taken that run with it. Never have a freshman take grab onto that like that. Part of it was because the vacuum was there and there was an opportunity to do it, but there was a large part of it was due to Brad and his personality and his ability to do that. So from that standpoint, he'll have as big a voice as ever, uh, but we have more options now. You know, We can put the ball in other people's hands. Not that it won't be in Brad's because I think there yeah. he proved that He's a pretty good guy with the ball in his hands at various times, but it allows us to move him around, allows us to play different combinations, different lineups out there at once. So uh, it's something we're still looking at and experimenting with, and a lot of times right now he's teeing off against Trice in practice or Trevor or whoever it may be as we go through um, you know, here the, the uh, preseason, and yeah. we'll start to mix as we get closer to outside competition start putting more of those combinations together. I'm curious, uh, and I don't mean to just simply single out Brad and use him as the example, but I'm curious about when you're recruiting, what you see from an attitude standpoint. Brad is a unique kid because he seems to be wide-eyed and enjoys all moments, but he is super competitive. That's kind of a rare combination. In recruiting, Do you? how much uh, of that part of it is part of how you assess it's a lot. It's a big part of it, and, and that's personality and, and fit and demeanor and team-oriented concept. How do you lead? Looking for those some of those concepts and, and some of those traits, and maybe they don't have them fully developed when they're in high school at that age, but do they show? How do they interact with their coaches? How do they interact with their teammates? How do they interact with their teachers if we go into schools and visit? So we're constantly looking. You can tell athletically if a kid – can play yeah. in a short order of time. Maybe they're physically a little bit. We can add some weight. We can add some strength. We can help in some areas. But you spend more time analyzing and, and assessing those other intangibles to how do they fit what we're about and, and all the things that they have to encompass, not just the amount of time that they're, uh, they're playing basketball. Two final thoughts. One, if you had to have a player take 
the half-court shot. No defender, just right now. A player on your team, who would you send out? Uh, probably, probably Pritzel. Yeah. That would probably be That's the one. Choice. Yeah, he. Hey, when they fool around with it in practice, he, he's pretty consistent in terms of rotation and where the ball lands. The other one that's surprisingly, I shouldn't say surprisingly, but uh, Reavers. Reavers, usually yeah. in the half-court contest, he's he's on target more than not. And um, so, But Pritzel would probably be the guy, if I had one to let it fly, if there was whatever worth 500 bucks to yeah. make or yeah. whatever we're paying tonight. I know it's <laughs> they've rang the bell a few times yeah. already, but uh, he's probably one we'd let heave it. Two, two other versions of that, which member of the coaching staff from the head coach or assistants you get one look at it? Uh, probably you'd have to give it to Dean Oliver. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then which member of the media would you uh, throw well, out Well, obviously to? not John Adias. Right. Good point. Yeah. Good right. point. Yep. Yeah. Good choice. Good yeah. choice. So anybody else but John. Yeah. I have my hand raised, and, <laughs> but you took, you took the other tact, which is good. Uh, coach, it's always a pleasure to visit with you. Congratulations on, on what you guys are doing today. This is fantastic. Thanks. Thanks. And, and we appreciate it. Thanks for coming in and and uh, covering this for us, too. You got it. Thanks, Greg. All right, thanks, Mike. Greg Garb, Wisconsin basketball coach, joining us on the Mike Heller Show. So, hey, listen, I, I thought on the last question, I thought he was going to say me, but that was the next best thing is to say not John Ott. <laughs> yeah, instead of selecting someone, he selected, well, he selected me to not select me, right? So he picks me. Yeah, that was, that was, that was good. That was pretty good by him. Yeah. And well, I, 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 would, I agree with the decision-making. Oh, all right. So where do you want to go here? Do you, I mean, we didn't do the big three at three. We're probably not going to do the big four at four. Let me, can I respond to a couple of tweets? Are you okay with that? Oh, uh, yeah. And then we got Pete Doherty because the Packers do play tonight, I think. Right. That's correct. So let me reply to a couple of the, the tweets, and I'll do it not through Twitter, but uh, through voice on the air. Um, so Brett says, if I hear the word stuff one more time on today's show, he's going to go insane. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I get it. But I think it, it, all I was really, and I tried to get to that from visiting with Greg Gard, is how they see things. And they don't see things simply from the end result. Oh, the shot went in, so that play worked. Or, oh, you know, as a, as a golfer, that putt went in. Well, sometimes the putt wasn't hit well at all. You know, you hit it way too hard, but it hit the back of the cup and popped up in the air and went in. Or a wedge shot that... You know, hits the flagstick. It's not a good wedge shot. The result is good. So, I mean, you do see things different, differently. And he was talking about even the shot that uh, was made um, at against Xavier, uh, which is that corner fadeaway three, which is awesome, but maybe not the best look they could have gotten. So it's not always results-driven. So when I'm talking about stuff, it's another way to say analytics. Um, you know, how's he throwing the ball kind of a concept when we're visiting on Jeffress. And that's part of it. And then I will, again, you know what I should do is maybe, uh, it, although it's too late now, rather than me having the Twitter fight on the air that I'm with Joel Finkelman in, and, I mean, I should have just brought it into an interview conversation. But when you say that Jeffress has been on the mound for eight of the 11 runs scored in the Brewers postseason, that is essentially misleading. <laughs> I mean, it just is in my world. It's misleading. Now, let's separate out division series from the championship series, but he's on the mound for um, runs on Friday and Saturday. And is that, again, is that the direct result because Jeffress wasn't good? No, but so to, to live in that moment and say, look it, here's the stats. Again, uh, we're talking, it, that's a shallow water view of a real deep water question. 
What it's a, chess and checkers. And I get the, the stuff conversation, and, and I, I know you like to take the NLDS, but what if you just look at the last five? Forget the, the eight runs eight uh, on the mound for eight of the 11. Just how about the four in the four innings, right? What if you just looked at the last the postseason, just started there, because that's, that's the most recent we have to go by, and just looked at his, his results in runs allowed. Like, I know... Once we get to talking about results again, I know that's where yeah, you kind of jump so, off of. So but. I, I will. This is the part I, I'm going to fall in line with, is that I thought his um, the analytics on how he was throwing the ball. I'm trying to avoid saying stuff um, in the division series against Colorado. His miles per hour were down. Uh, I think that some of his location w- was down. He did. He did, wasn't as sharp in the first game. It's not like they were hammering him. Uh, and it's Peralta who had the Gerardo uh, Parra who had the, the hit against him in the first game against Colorado um, that was the clean one. The rest were not um, drilled. So in that regard, um, I would say that the division series, he didn't look as good. And I would agree with you and Joel on what his miles per hour were, where his location, uh, those things. Yeah, I agree. But if I'm going to talk about Friday and Saturday – I thought he pitched exceptionally well with one exception and that's or two exceptions. The hit by Turner, the home run, is not a good pitch. Um, it was ninety one, it was in her half, and it wasn't buried, and Justin Turner is a great hitter. And I would also say that the at bat to Austin Barnes, um, I just I don't get how Barnes didn't swing the bat. I don't, um, but this? he does spike a curveball. He did give him two chances to take pitches that weren't close enough. Will Craig Council let him close out a game? I would think so, yeah. So tonight you would expect, if given the situation, Jeffers would come in to, to try well, to save Well, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it has to do with the matchups, but uh, here, let, me re- let me rephrase that for you and just say high leverage position tonight. That could be 7th, 8th, or ninth. Because they don't always view it as just the save. High leverage, he's not going to hesitate to use Jeremy Jeffers. Just not going to hesitate. Okay, yeah. Right. Uh, and, and I'll feel comfortable with that. That doesn't mean the end result's going to be, I think the end result there will be good. But if it's not, it doesn't make it wrong. Well, I'll read the- Again, you know, that's a play call, right? So, you know, somebody will say, well, they shouldn't call that play. And then when it doesn't work, see, I told you they shouldn't have called that play. It's not the result sometimes that that we're measuring it on marty asks if jj is okay why isn't he closing anymore and that's kind of what i was trying to because they don't have a closer once they got to this point they've got they've got closers in different situations they got high leverage pitchers at the end of the game that they're going to trust and go to that's the difference uh we're going to visit with pete doherty packersnews.com green bay press gazette our green and gold insider is next statewide on the mike heller show Back in with you on the Mike Heller Show on this Monday afternoon. We are spending the day at the Kohl Center, which seems odd on Game 3 of the Brewers National League Championship Series in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. First pitch, 639. And the Green Bay Packers against the San Francisco 49ers 
and that game tonight is at Lambeau Field in Green Bay. So, yeah, in that regard, it seems a little odd that this is where we are. But at the end of the day, I mean, we're here because of the Swish Upon a Cure event going on that raises huge dollars for the for cancer research and the Carbone Cancer Center that uh, Michelle and Greg Gard will write a check for tonight. And it's matched by businesses. And this is a big money event. It's also a great event um, for the student body who is out here shooting half-court shots and free throws. And the Badger basketball team is out here in full with them. So that's why we're here on a Monday afternoon, even though the two biggest stories in the state are the Packers game on Monday Night Football and the Brewers and Dodgers in Game 3 of the NLCS. Pete Doherty, our Green and Gold Insider, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison.com, where you get two years prepaid maintenance on any new or used car purchase. Metro Ford of Madison.com. Pete, let's cut to the chase. Brewers, Dodgers, Game 3. What's your view? Wow, big one. Um, <laughs> you know, they blew that game the other night. Um, oh, I think it's huge. I, you know, so what are what are um, Wisconsin fans going to be doing? I guess I, two TVs. Yeah, I, it's either it's the two TVs thing. Um, you know, a lot of people think baseball can be a little slow. Um, so there is We're, maybe. Why would they ever think that? <laughs> I don't. I don't uh, but I know a lot of people do. So it, Packers are always king. Um, but I think there's going to be a lot of divided loyalties, a lot of two TVs. Um, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Let's let's jump in on the the Packers conversation here. What's different as they roll forward? What are the areas that need to be different, and, and maybe some insight into what they're doing in that regard? You know, you know when teams lose, and you know with bad teams, not saying they're a bad team, but. You know, it's one thing one week, it's another thing the next. Um, so there's some of that going on with these guys. I mean, the quarterback needs to play better. You know, he's been playing hurt. I'm sure that's affected his play. He's been practicing a little more, so that should help him. Um, they're getting help that they're not playing a good quarterback. When they played good quarterbacks this year, they've had at least one bad half against each of them. You know, and then against the, the Bills, they had a really good game. So, you know, Beathard um, should be, you know, Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A little more of a, a guy that could take advantage of, that Petten could take advantage of. Uh, but I guess the big thing will be just these bad starts and getting off to an early lead. That makes life so much easier for, for everyone. From a personnel standpoint, it would appear that they have um, a little healthier on the back end defensively. Jair Alexander, Josh Jones, Kevin King on the field at the same time can make a difference. How do they um, put uh, Breland into that mix, too, and can they be better at that end? Yeah, I don't see where he fits in, you know, playing cornerback because you got to play King. He's your one of your most talented guys. Alexander, Josh Jackson, I just don't see how you stop playing those guys when they're talented and they're already playing pretty decent football and there's so much upside there. So I don't know where, you know, when Trevon Williams is playing fine. I don't know if you play Breland ahead of him. I don't think so. 
So I'm thinking Breland only fits in on special teams. I've kicked around this weekend whether they should maybe move Breland to safety. Be hard to do for a midseason in a new scheme, but coming out of college, there was there were scouts who thought that he'd be you know better served uh, in the NFL as a safety. So I, considering the Packers' issues there, I'd still be thinking about doing that. Um, but I'll, I am curious to see how if they get all those guys. You know, I have King, Jackson, Alexander get all those guys in the field together they really haven't played much together this year uh how things will go because i think when they have all been out there um they've, they've played okay in the secondary offensively they haven't been good enough you know we talked about this after the game in detroit how aaron Rodgers' numbers were you know statistically pretty extraordinary but not playing well enough how do those two things kind of come together and what does the quarterback need to do better for the team to benefit offensively. Yeah, that's, you know, this, that's how this league is. A team gets up and they give up a ton of yards and, you know, in the second half, but they still win the game, so they really don't care. And Rogers is a good quarterback. We put up great stats, but it didn't really, uh, it didn't really mean much. I still think they need to go more, you know, doing that, doing the shorter, quicker hitting stuff, keep the chains moving, you know, have them try not to improvise too much early. And then you change the way the defense plays you, and then you know, then you then you hit your big plays. Uh, I mean, it's easy to say that. You know, I'm sure it's tougher to do, but just watching games this weekend, you know, looking at all the quick slants, you just don't see a lot from the pack, that from the Packers anymore. And um, I don't know. That's back when Rodgers was first getting going in 2009 and 2010. That's the way they played, and it worked great for him. So I think that's that's one option right there is to kind of go back to that way of playing and getting the ball out fast. Uh, a couple of the traditional questions. Will we see Aaron Jones touch, touch the ball more? Got to think so. You think he'll start tonight? I'm thinking he's <laughs> going to be out there in that first series. What do you think? Yeah, I would think he's, you know, we, we have this discussion have now for two, three weeks running every time we visit uh, because it is a, it's a touch point for a lot of fans that Aaron Jones isn't touching the ball often enough, and you would think that he will touch it more. Yeah, right, we saw. I mean, I think we're all wondering, and they have their reasons, but sometimes, you know, just like all of us, they outthink themselves sometimes. And, you know, he's their best guy with the ball in his hands, so you just got to get him on the field more. I bet you anything he gets a lot more touches this week. When, If I pull back for just a moment and think of the, the broader landscape of the NFC, are the Packers capable of being, from who they have, uh, if they play better, are they capable of being in that upper crust and having a chance in January to make some noise? I think so. Um, not sure. A lot's got to happen. they got to get better on defense. Uh, they got to get healthier. Right? got to get Rodgers playing well and making Jones a bigger part of the offense. Um, but I think they still have that possibility. I think whenever you have this guy at quarterback, I mean, I think there's always that chance. Uh, and as, you know, as long as their, you know, their tackles stay healthy, especially their left tackle, um, I think you always have that chance. Now the Rams look like they're a cut above. Yeah. Um, you know, but I think you know, as Fritz Shermer used to always say, just you know, get me in the tournament. You know, that's the big thing is getting the playoffs. And anything can happen on uh, you know, no matter who you're playing on any Sunday. Yeah, you know, I don't. Were you watching last night? I don't want to ask you a question on a game that you weren't paying attention to. But were you seeing the end of New England, Kansas City? Yeah, yeah, I watched the game. So, I mean, when you see the end of it, that comes back to the NFL's quarterback rule, right? I mean, a Chiefs defender has Brady wrapped up and lets him go 
because he thinks the ball is gone and doesn't want to get a penalty. And that's there is the end result of that's the unintended consequence of one of the unintended consequences of the new rule change. It is, and it's you know, it was a shame. Now, uh, part of me still thinks that, just like with a lot of other rule changes, you know, because I think the league has adjusted some on what they're calling penalties and what they're not. Now, with the quarterback, it was getting it was the pendulum swung too far. But I think what they've got to do is teach these guys just grab him and pick him up and hold him, you know. And if the ball's gone, then you set him down. Right. And if he's not, then you fall down with him on top of you. But just don't let go, you know. I mean, there's no you're not going to be penalized if you hold him, right? I mean, they can grab and hold him. They're not going to throw a flag. It's only if you throw him to the ground. So, And that's, this goes against the way these guys have been taught to play all these years. But I think they've just got to kind of relearn how to play. You get your hands on the guy. Just grab him and hold on until you hear a whistle. All right, last thought. What do you what do you see tonight? What what what's where do your eyes go? What do you think we might be watching as that game kicks off at seven fifteen? Yeah, you know, just um, I mean, I'm thinking the pack. I mean, obviously, you know, when I watched your video on Twitter today, it is this is a for week six. Really rare to say this, but this really is a must win for these guys, considering the schedule after the bye and all. Um, I just think you see a team that knows it's a must win and has a huge advantage at quarterback, and usually you put those two things together, it's, you know, the team with the quarterback's going to win. All right, Pete, very good. We appreciate it. We'll visit uh, at the end of the week. It's a bye week, but not for you. We're, we're going to talk on Friday anyway. I uh, look forward to it. All right, thanks, Pete. Pete Doherty, PackersNews.com, Green Bay Press Gazette, brought to you by Metro Ford of Madison.com. Uh, we jump back and forth between the Packers game against the Niners and the Brewers game three in Los Angeles against the Dodgers. We'll revisit some of that and get your thoughts too. 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. I'll also tell you that we're going to visit with uh, Tom Hardicourt at about 20 after 5. And Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, KLAC in Los Angeles, covers the Dodgers. He'll join us in about 30 minutes' time. You're listening statewide. This is the Mike Heller Show. Coming up just before the top of the hour, we'll get a little Dodgers perspective on Game 3 of the National League Championship Series. Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, KLAC in Los Angeles, covers the Dodgers. He'll join us at 4.57 or so. And then Tom Hardricourt, 20 minutes later of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, also from Dodger Stadium. We'll get to your phone calls as well, 877-729-1070. 877-729-1070. Craig Council met with the media this afternoon talking about how they'll roll forward. Now, I do have um, some – the only real breaking news here is that the Brewers intend to go with Wade Miley, and we'll hear about that in Game 5 on short rest. So Miley will get a start at Dodger Stadium on Wednesday. That's the day game in Los Angeles, and he'll do it on short rest. But let's start here. There's a, there's a lot of angst for, for many people, especially people who have followed baseball for a long time, as to how the Brewers have handled their pitching staff, just in general, and uh, uh, about the state of the Brewers pitching staff. Craig Council meeting with the media earlier this afternoon. Let's begin with that one. 
Craig, did the day off allow you to enter tonight's game with a, a fully stocked pen? Where, where are you at with, with all your guys following a day? Yeah, I mean, I think, like, like I said, I think with the exception of Wade, I think everybody's uh, good to go today. Um, you know, that, that uh, we do also have to understand there's, there's, we have three games in a row here, and uh, that has to factor in our decision-making for these games. There's another question that, that followed that up, talking about how the Brewers view the role of a, of a closer. Craig Council talking about the Brewers' approach to the idea of a traditional closer. We, we don't have one player. Um, I mean, whoever gets, I guess whoever gets the last three outs, and if you put an S by his name, he, he gets, get to, gets to be called the cl- closer. Um, and I think for us, our season has been um, just the way our season has went has put different guys in that role. And I, I also the second thing is that when one guy's left-handed and the other two guys are right-handed, you're gonna there's gonna be different times to me where they fit in different spots of the game. So that's that's changed the order with which we use our guys. But we've just chosen to say instead of you pitch this inning and you pitch this inning, let's, who are the hitters and what's the best chance for you to have success against which hitters? I think that's a more important question to answer than to say you have to pitch this inning. You know, and all of that kind of um, funnels into the conversation of who are they going to use in certain situations that might go against your normal standard thought process going in. So trying to predict who the Brewers are going to send to the mound in a particular situation just isn't very reasonable. Hard to do that. Well, here's one thing we do know, that coming up in Game 5, a couple of games down the road from now on Wednesday, that's a day game in Los Angeles, and Craig Council did make an announcement of who gets the start on Wednesday. Knowing who your Game 4 star might be, and if not, if we're in the same spot, how much what you have to see from tonight's game before you can make that decision? Well, we'll have to make the decision, you know, <laughs> at some point. But I think we're really, we're just, we're going to play tonight's game with, um, you know, for me, everybody available with the, with the exception of Wade Miley um, in tonight's game. And then after the game, we'll make a decision. Um, on on what game four looks like um you know i I think game five for us is looking like wade we're going to use wade miley in game five um on short rest um but i think he you know for me it was a 75 pitch appearance it's something that we've been able to do it's no different than what we did with chassin um and so it it uh you know he's capable of doing that so we'll have to make a decision on four but fives you know that's that's where we're going to go back to on five so i don't know how much that will surprise people and maybe not at all uh, but going in dodger stadium on a day game wednesday on three days rest so part of the angst of saturday taking him out with two outs in the sixth inning at 75 pitches or so um this is maybe the benefit of that is that he's going to get a chance to start again against that Dodger lineup on Wednesday. What they do tomorrow, just don't know. Uh, that, is, uh, that is an unknown. And, and Craig is going to make that decision based off of what they do tonight. 
You don't want to get to Game 5 with that being an elimination game. Let's, can we be simple about that part of it? If the Dodgers win tonight and tomorrow, then Game 5 is an elimination game. You don't want to play an elimination game in Los Angeles. And I, th- I think this is uh, Captain Obvious material, but the Brewers really desperately want to win one of the next two. They don't have to win both of them. But somehow you got to find a way by the end of play on Tuesday night that the Brewers have split these first two games in Los Angeles. Because then they're all, then, then you're sitting fine. If you're 2-2 going into game five, uh, you're okay. But you do not, and I know this is Captain Obvious to some, but you, you just have to avoid being down 3-1. Now that's just a, a lot to take on. And then, Craig, you know, you already talked about it, but talking about their options as they view game four later tomorrow night in Los Angeles. Uh, Craig, I imagine you'd probably sleep better at night knowing for certain who your game four starter is at the same time. Is there some upside in not being locked into a particular guy and having the ability to adjust based on what the Dodgers might show you today? Yeah, I mean, I don't think this is as much about what the Dodgers show us as as really how we get through the game today. Um, So, um, you know, we're just... I want to keep our options open for the game as to how we, you know, feel like is the best way to win the game, um, and and that's how we, that's how we manage the game, and that's how we choose who who goes out there. But um, you know, we we have some decisions, and I think there's there's a list short list of guys that it, it's going to be, um, but it's really about making sure we we put all our resources and and the right decisions into tonight's game and don't limit ourselves. All right, so now a couple of quick notes. We didn't even touch on uh, the two poll questions I put up earlier today. Um, one is who's going to win and in what form of what is now essentially a best of five in the NLCS. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. 50% of you, uh, well, more than that, 50% of you think that this series is either five games or six games. Uh, 31% say the Brewers win in five or six. 19% say the Dodgers win in five or six. 45% of you think that the Brewers win in seven. Can you imagine what a game set? I can't even. No, I don't want to get to that. I want to avoid uh, that. Well, and oh, you know, God. I'm, I'm if, if selfishly, I I really don't want it to get to a game seven. Obviously, it's I need it to get to six because I'd like to be there Friday night, and I would be there Friday night and Saturday six and seven. The the preference, you know, from an outsider's view, games seven is the the best two words in all of sports. Unless your team is in it, <laughs> then Game Seven is just—it's—it's it's gut-wrenching. It is just a lot. Um, but from a no horse in the race concept, from a pure entertainment standpoint, there's just nothing better than a Game Seven. Yeah, I mean, you got to cross your fingers too. What do you think? The, I mean, he said basically they're going to do whatever they can to win tonight's game. Is he a little bit more loose with Shasin than he was with Miley? 
Like if Shasin looked like Miley did, wouldn't he? Do you think he'd keep him in longer tonight? Well, potentially, but you do have Josh Hader. Um, uh, you know, I mean, it sounds like he said everybody's full go. So if you've got Hader full go and Canable full go and Jeffress full go, and you're up three two into the bottom of the seventh inning, I think he'd go back to the formula. Yeah. And I also asked that question about Jeffress in a one or two run game. Fifty eight percent of you said yes, you would use JJ in a one or two run game. Forty-two percent of you said no. All right, we'll get the Dodgers' perspective on this when we come back. We visit with Steve Desager on the Mike Heller Show. They're the in crowd. We're the other ones. It's a different kind of cloth that we're cut from. We let our colors show where the numbers ain't. We're the paint where there ain't supposed to be paint. That's who we are. This is the Mike Keller Show. That's how we roll. Call the show at 877-729-1070. Send a tweet at Mike Keller Show. Now, here's Mike Keller. In and with you as we inch ever closer, about 90 minutes from first pitch with the Brewers and Dodgers at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, Chavez Ravine. It is, uh, it's going to be fun. Uh, listen, I think it's really interesting to, when you juxtapose the, the feelings of the four teams. So last night in the ALCS, Boston, who lost the opening game at home on Saturday, wins game two. So that series is even at a game apiece, but Boston feels much better heading into game three tomorrow in Houston, right? Where the Brewers and Dodgers are concerned, I think the difference in this concept is that the Brewers won game one, and by the Dodgers erasing a 3 nothing deficit into the seventh inning in game two, the Dodgers go home and feel very confident going into game three. Isn't it interesting how the, the order of the wins – changes the perspective but both series are even at a game apiece the alcs on a travel day to houston the nlcs brewers and dodgers tonight 639 first pitch from los angeles and i think the other elements of this game that make it really interesting to to kind of dive into is walker bueller against Yolish Yassin. Walker Buehler is a young, strong right-hander who's had an outstanding year and probably has as good a stuff as anybody in, in the Dodgers rotation. We welcome in Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, covers the Dodgers, joins us on the Mike Heller Show. Steve, give us a, a little bit of a, a thumbnail sketch of who Walker Buehler is and how confident the Dodgers are with him on the mound tonight. Extremely confident. He was sensational in the tiebreaker game that got them the home field advantage for the first round of the playoffs. I was at the Travis press conference, the Travis Shaw press conference, just in the last hour here at Dodger Stadium. He was asked about Bueller and says he can throw any pitch in any count, and Walker Bueller has the best stuff on L.A. staff. And I think Clayton Kershaw, for one, would agree with that. He His, his eyes get wide when Kershaw talks about what Bueller has. His rookie year was sensational for this team as a starter not just a low era 
But for the whole year, opponents batted 185 against him as a starter. So Craig Council, a few minutes ago, was just asked, how do you approach this? They did see him once, but just the one time this summer. He says you have to approach him like you would any other starter, pressure the starter, get on base, and that's where the mistakes can come. So with that, Yoli Chassin, who the Dodgers are familiar with from his time in San Diego, he pitches Mm -hmm. for the Brewers tonight. Although starting pitchers for Milwaukee are, are asked to do different things than starting pitchers <laughs> yeah. for the Dodgers, how is that viewed? The uh, the way they use the starting pitchers. Yeah, just in in that matchup and what the Brewers do differently from a starting rotation standpoint. Yeah, there were a lot of questions this past hour about the bullpenning, as it's been called. And Craig Council, for one, is saying that the rosters, of course, expanded in September, so you've got the opportunity to do that there. But he also pointed out that in playoff series, things are not normal. The individual games are not normal. He's looking for alternative ways to use your talent the best. What surprised me is how things were used this past weekend in the home games for Milwaukee because I felt like Craig Council didn't learn the lesson of how the Dodgers failed in using their bullpen just one postseason ago. They were, of course, to a Game 7 of a World Series. It was a very long postseason, and yet from the start, they were going short innings from the starters and eventually overusing the bullpen. And even the closer wasn't always effective by the time the catch of the World Series. And the Dodgers played two classic extra inning games in the World Series and lost them both. And they're not wearing a ring today. So the way the bullpen was used surprised me this weekend. So as we step into this matchup tonight, there's been a lot of talk about the familiarity of the Dodgers' offensive lineup with the Brewers' bullpen, that the more they see them, the, the better off that they're going yes. to be. I mean, it is a it's a loaded lineup, uh, and I'm sure that in in that view, the Dodgers feel like the deeper they go in the series, the greater advantage they have. Do you buy that theory? Yeah, I think that seeing the bullpen a lot really helped the Dodgers these first couple of games. And as far as having guys that would normally be starters on the bench tonight, for example, manager Dave Roberts was asked about that today. He said he's very comfortable with his bench tonight even if he doesn't get an optimal matchup against righty or lefty relievers. And, of course, managing is there's a lot of moving parts to it now, he says. It's communications at a premium. It's a different than even 10 years ago, the way things are managed. It's really a chess match, as we saw this past weekend. Everybody's going to get used. And as Craig Council said today, teams that get this far have balanced, deep rosters. They have answers. So everybody's going to be using everything available to them. And, in fact, as far as the pitching tonight, Council was asked about who's going to be used. He said every pitcher is available tonight except Wade Miley. He's saving him for a start in L.A. this week. Hey, Steve DeSager covers the Dodgers for Fox Sports Radio. Some of the things I've seen on Twitter, Steve, are some wind gusts, some strong winds, Game 3 tonight. Yeah. How will the wind affect tonight's game? I think it definitely could affect tonight's game. It's not necessarily blowing out at this moment, though. Dave Roberts says, I expect the ball to be flying a bit, was his actual quote. I usually go through a city park to enter this stadium parking lot. There's a park right next door to Dodger Stadium. There were downed tree parts all over, strewn all over the park. It's been a very windy day. It's going to be windy for tonight's game in L.A. only. The wind is not in the forecast for the next two days. But as you know, an outdoor stadium, outdoor sport, it definitely can affect things, and it did at Dodger Stadium one year ago, when the World Series started here against Houston, 
suddenly it was a 100-degree October, and the ball was flying at weather. And I remember specifically a couple of Dodger homers that would have been flyouts to the track on other days. So the Dodgers are already number one in the league in homers this year. They don't need help in that department. But again, although it's windy, it's not as windy here as it is in the suburbs where it's been 20-mile-an-hour winds today. And the winds have changed. They were blowing in when you first called me a few minutes ago, and they're blowing to left field as we speak during Brewers batting practice. Visiting with Steve DeSager, final thought here. He joins us from Fox Sports Radio covering the L.A. Dodgers. What is that city like right now as far as is it a Lakers town with the with LeBron coming and ready to open up? Is it a Rams who have gotten off to a great start and appear to be a team that could be a Super Bowl contender? Or is it a Dodgers town right now? This town for many years has been Dodgers and Lakers and everyone else picks up the scraps. There's room for, you know, USC football, UCLA basketball, the Rams doing well, all of the rest, but they are all below Dodgers and Lakers in the pecking order. What I think some in the town are glad about is that LeBron's opener this week is on Thursday, which is an off day of this series. I would have been curious at the TV ratings locally for that if it was happening at the same time. Interesting to uh, to get you. And final thought here, um, just what is your view of Game 3 tonight? You talked about a very competent Dodger team. Does that uh, reflect through the fan base and the, and the media and those who cover the team as well? Yes, and if they hadn't pulled that out with the 2 and the 7th, 2 and the 8th over the weekend, even this series, uh, the mindset with the fan base would have been completely different. They viewed going down 0-2 the way they played those two games if they were down 0-2, it's not like the series would be over, but maybe too much of an uphill climb. The Turner home run changed everything in the attitude around this town. And now to have someone who's been so spectacular at times on the mound, the L.A. starting pitcher tonight, you know, we're seeing a postseason these days where starters don't go much. This guy has the talent to keep it low scoring and go the six innings plus that guys don't seem to do anymore. So, yes, the attitude changed completely for the locals. Steve, we appreciate it. Enjoy the night, and thanks for jumping on with us. Thanks. This was great. Steve DeSager, Fox Sports Radio, KLAC in Los Angeles, covering the Dodgers. And the Dodgers and Brewers game three tonight, which is, uh, I don't mean that countdown is sitting at a little less than 85 minutes or so until first pitch from Dodger Stadium. And you listen, Walker Bueller, if you haven't seen a pitch, he's a big, strong right-hander, throws hard. I mean, his his fastball velocity is consistently 95 to 97, and, and, and he is um, – I'm trying to avoid the stuff conversation, but he really, he really can bring it. He's got a very good repertoire to work from, and we'll see how that uh, plays its way out tonight. The opposite on Yoli Chassin, who has a knockout slider, but, you know, he's going to touch 91 – you know, from from a fastball perspective, that's about as much as he's going to put on it. So, I mean, we get two pitchers that just approach the game from a from a velocity standpoint, from what they can bring, uh, quite differently. I'll give you Bueller's game log for the only postseason game that he's pitched in: uh, five innings, five earned runs, struck out seven. So, I would take that if I'm a Brewers fan. <laughs> But who knows, because during the regular season, I, I believe his ERA, and they pulled it up, was less than three. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he had a, I think he had a, a very good game in 163, but, uh, you know, he didn't pitch exceptionally well his last time out. So, you know, it, it, this is somebody that you can get to. 
You can certainly get to him. Yeah, game um, 163, six and two-thirds, zero earned runs. Right, but yeah. um, that's against a Rockies team. that The Brewers also gave up nothing but the two runs in the ninth inning in game one. You know, that's it. Uh, so, I mean, the Rockies in their game 163, uh, and then their postseason involved scoring two runs um, in two games and nothing in their other games, in, including that against the Dodgers. So, and they did get two in the ninth against the Dodgers. By the way, uh, the news just coming down that uh, Seahawks owner Paul Allen has died from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Um, the uh, founder and owner of Microsoft, Paul Allen, has died. Hmm. So, uh, listen, as, as we approach this one tonight, there's been a lot of bickering back and forth about the use of the Brewers' bullpen mainly on Saturday when Wade Miley came out um, after five and two-thirds and 74 pitches. That was one. Number two, that Jeremy Jeffress went out there after um, Corbin Burns just didn't have it. Corbin Burns got out of the inning that they took Miley out. Burns got through that inning, but then in the, in the seventh, Burns put two on and got nobody out, and that was what sent the Brewers to the bullpen for Jeffress who then had the bases get loaded on him on a bloop single to right, struck out Puig. He walked Austin Barnes on a 3-2 pitch and then got a double play from Yasmani Grandal to end the inning. He went back out in the eighth and got a uh, 35-foot ground ball and then gave up the two-run home run to Justin Turner. So that's been a lot of the conversation over the last 48 hours since that game ended um, about this time Saturday night. That being said, uh, you know, it's it's Chassin and Bueller tonight. And the Brewers lineup reflects what they do against right-handers. It is a heavier left-handed Brewers lineup for this one. And we'll just see how it plays out. And it's, it's great. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Theater, great drama, and for many of us, we'll be going back and forth between the Brewers game and the Packers game. Usually, John asks this question today. If the remote control is broken, you don't have two TVs, and you can't DVR, which game do you watch? I love how you have to qualify everything. But you missed, yeah. you missed one, and your um, laptop and iPad are broken. Yeah, I mean, you can only see one game. Your eyes can only be laid on one game tonight, and you can't listen to the other one. You get one And your phone's deal. out of service. Yeah, right. I'm watching Brewers-Dodgers. Oh, for sure. It's, it's like a no-doubter. It'd be 95% if we had yeah. that poll question. Maybe not. So, I mean, tomorrow I'm going to be in Green Bay at Anduzzi Sports Club, and Johnny Gray is going to be our guest on In the Huddle tomorrow night at 6. But I will be flipping in between innings. That's the only time. And then depending on which direction the Brewers-Dodgers game takes, uh, you know, I hope, you know, maybe the Brewers up 7-1 and I can spend more time on the Packers game. But if the game is competitive and I expect it to be, then I will be watching the Packers game uh, in full on DVR after, you know, 10 o'clock tonight. Uh, I've said my approach, and I've really liked this since uh, the Brewers-Rockies closeout game, 
um, last Sunday or whenever that was, I like to bring up the iPad. I, I got to bring Monday Night Football up on the iPad. And then I'll have two screens and then my phone. So I'll have really like three screens deep. Like that's the way I'm going to handle it. Yeah, I, I like your approach. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not a bad yeah. approach. That way you kind of get a feeling of what's going on. You can just glance down like what's going on. You know, kind of have the sound a little bit lower. I've got a whole, yeah, I've got a whole thing I've got going on. All right, so, you know, when we come back, we're going to visit with Tom Hardercourt, uh, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online. He is our Brewers baseball insider at Dodger Stadium. I promise you that when I ask the Jeremy Jeffress questions, I will simply ask the question. I will not prejudice the answer. I will not lead him in that direction. I will just ask him his view of the Jeffress usage Saturday, the Miley uh, pitching change, and the trust in Jeffress rolling forward. I think those are important questions. And also, what we've learned today, including that Wade Miley will go on short rest in Game 5 Wednesday afternoon at Dodger Stadium. No answer to what the Brewers will do tomorrow. We'll visit with Tom Hardercourt, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, JS Online. He'll join us next statewide. You're listening to The Mike Heller Show. With you from the Swish Upon a Cure event at the Cole Center, Greg Gard, Michelle Gard, going to write a big check tonight to the Carbone Cancer Center in their guarding against cancer event here, Swish Upon a Cure. That's why we're at the Cole Center, visited with Greg Gard earlier. Right now, we welcome in Tom Hardercourt of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel JS Online, our baseball insider, brought to you by Westtown Monona Tire, where Ted and Brandon lead a top notch team to serve you, the corner of Gammon and Odana Road in Madison, and by Left's Lucky Town. In Tosa, your living room away from home. Um, Tom, let's uh, quickly look back before we look forward about the decision on Miley Saturday at five and two-thirds and then about Jeremy Jeffers and his effectiveness, your view of those two situations. What, are you auditioning to be a Twitter troll? (laughs) I've been doing that all weekend. I haven't answered that question all weekend. Let's move on. No, just kidding. Um, well, 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 here's the thing. A, what he did with Miley is what he's been doing with starting pitchers all season long. Go back and look at Yolise Chassin's pitching chart for the season. He was removed three times in September with a one-hitter, a two-hitter, and a one-hitter. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> it, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times we have to say this team is analytics-driven and analytics tell them, do not let the pitcher go back to the third time. All right, so that's A. But here's B. How many innings did people think Miley was going to pitch? Did they think he was going to throw a complete game, something they have only one of since 2016? Uh, did they think he was going to pitch eight innings, something they only had three of all season? If he pitches seven innings, you know, which he might have been able to do, Jeremy Jefferson's still pitching in the eighth, Mike. Right. You know, yeah. it doesn't change that. That's, their plan actually fell apart when Corbin Burns had trouble. Correct. Yeah. Because then they right. had to bring Jeffers in in the seventh, and they did right. that with two on and nobody out, and then it was bases loaded and nobody out. Right. But if they would have let Miley pitch seven innings, and it was still, um, he was still pitching good, Jeffers was still going to pitch the eighth and can able the ninth, probably. So it doesn't change anything. 
about what was going to happen at the end of the game. It just he would have just covered the innings that that Burns has covered wonderfully. When was the last time Corey Burns gave up a run? Yeah, it just it really hadn't happened. So let, let me ask you about the the other crowd that is critical of Jeffress. Now I, I get it, but from a I'm going to use the term from a stuff standpoint. He's a he's been really good in his two appearances as far as velocity and movement and those things. How do you view Jeffress and his reliability in the moment right now? Well, this is how I bottom line what's been going on with him. He's pitching behind too much in the count. You know that home run by Turner was on a two zero pitch. Yeah. He walked Austin Barnes, who you could have gotten out. Um, and me. Let me just slow myself into that. Dude, I wasn't supposed to be disparaging towards you, Mr. Heller. My point is the guy cannot that. hit. Um, and he throws him a 3-2 curveball, for God's sake. You know, he just took a 3-1 fastball right down the middle. Do not be afraid to throw him one more. Um, so, so he's just pitching behind too much. And he is getting bedeviled by some soft contact, too. In that game... A big hit was by, I believe, Jock Peterson or maybe Bellinger dumping one into shallow right field between the second baseman and the right fielder. And then before the two-run homer, Chris Taylor hit a ball that rolled about 40 feet. Yeah, I, I'm with that. Now, we did find out today, Craig Council did say that uh, they're leaning towards Miley on short rest in Game 5. He did say that Miley will get the ball in Game 5, hasn't announced Game 4, which is not unusual as, as the Brewers have approached this postseason. Yeah, this is uh, the, the, the only team that names its Game 5 starter before it names its Game 4 starter. <laughs> Where they're, you know, they're working. So they, they go to the horizon and then come back to the place that they were standing. Um, well, the, the reason they're not naming tomorrow is that it really does depend who they use today. If they use certain guys, then I don't think, uh, you know, it's going to be a bullpen game tomorrow, probably no matter what. And with Miley pitching on short rest, um, you know, that's going to be kind of a bullpen game too. Remember when Chassin did it in short rest against Colorado? He went five, and they still had to cover four innings out of the bullpen. Right. So Wade Miley doesn't look too nervous, though. Uh, I asked him uh, if he had ever, how does he usually pitch on short rest? And he says, I don't know. I usually get a good night's sleep before I take them out. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great answer. Um, as as we see this now stacking up, uh, play out tonight's matchup. Walker Bueller has outstanding stuff uh, where the Brewers hitters are concerned. They go obviously a little bit heavy left-handed. Shaw and Moustakis both in the lineup. Kratz is the catcher in the game tonight, but a little deeper left-handed bats. Yeah, this is their preferred lineup. Uh, you know, they, they're not going to. This is the only time they see a right-hander in the series. It's going to be back to uh, a lefty tomorrow with Rich Hill, and I assume back to Kershaw. So I already recommended to counsel that the next time that um, Kershaw pitches that Woodruff start in left field and get four at bats, and he <laughs> kind of gave me a funny look on that. Justin, so I just backed off on that. Um, but, yeah, so, uh, the, but they like having both the Moustakas and Shaw in the lineup, and when they face lefties, he usually doesn't put them both in there. He usually just puts them on. So, um, yeah, I think we'll, we'll see what happens. But Bueller's fantastic. I mean, he people didn't pay much attention to him because they're in bed when he pitches on the West Coast, and he's also pitching behind Clayton Kershaw, but his numbers are fantastic. Derek Johnson can tell you how good Bueller is. He recruited him to Vanderbilt when he was the Vandy pitching coach before he left there. 
and went to the Cubs and then on to the Brewers. So um, they know how good he's going to be. So, you know, it's odd that when these teams make it to this point of the season, there's no stinky pitchers pitching, isn't it? Yeah, right. And and no bad hitters. I mean, some teams aren't as deep in their lineup. But I know as we talked about Jeffress and the, the at-bat to Turner on, uh, on Saturday, uh, it's not a great pitch, but Turner's a great hitter. You know, I mean, and, and he has had just been littered with success at this round of the playoffs the last two years, and that right. belied his uh, 0 for 5-4 strikeout performance Friday night. Yeah. Isn't it shocking that a team with a two, uh, $200 million payroll has good depth? Uh, you wouldn't expect <laughs> that, would you? Yeah, so um, I know that initially this afternoon there were some reports of really strong wind blowing in. Has that changed at all as we it, inch closer it, to game time? It's calmed down. Um, it's blowing in now, but not, you know, not like the Wrigley Field wind blowing in. So, um, you know, we don't like when the wind blow, blows in because our papers just fly all over the place up in the press box. We don't really care about the hitters or the pitchers. They're just trying to keep our stuff where we can, like, read it and write. No laughter on that one, huh? Okay. No, no, I, no, <laughs> I was, I was, there was a chuckle early. Um, so from a standpoint, a lot of times we do this in basketball and football when I'm talking to a, a beat writer or an analyst into what it is you're looking for as this game begins to take a flow. I, I don't know if it always works the same way in baseball, but I'll ask you that question. What are you looking for in the early portion of this game that will give you an idea of the direction it's taking? Chassin keeping them off the board. You know, you got to admit that they're not superstitious. They're they're. The last time uh, they started Chastain here, they lost twenty-one to five. Um, yeah. So you got to admit they're not. They're not. This is the baseball version of returning to the scene of the crime. Um, but you got it. But, but but I mean, he's got to give them some shutdown innings. Let them get into their bullpen with a lead. I know that didn't work the other night, but it's still the way they've won all year. And and I really think this win would be more important to the Brewers than the Dodgers because. If the Dodgers beat the Brewers tonight, they will have beaten their best pitcher and one of, and the only guy who's taken the ball the whole season. You know, and yeah. beyond putting beyond putting them up two to one, they will have just beat their best pitcher. It's the way the Brewers felt after beating Kershaw in Game One, but then they couldn't back it up in Game Two. But they sure were in position to do it. Well, yeah, and it, and it is a captain obvious statement from me. But you want to get that second win in the series sooner rather than later, right? I mean, you don't want to get to tomorrow and certainly not to Wednesday um, no, in an elimination no, situation. Yeah. yeah, as soon as you win one, you know you're coming back home at the very least. You, know, yeah, you, win, I, one here, you win one here, you cannot be closed out at Dodger Stadium. Yeah, and that's, and that's the interesting, you know, from a, an attitude standpoint, the Dodgers go back home feeling really confident because they erased a 3 nothing lead against the Brewers' bullpen on Saturday. Meanwhile, like Boston-Houston, Boston wins game two, even though the series are the same. Boston goes to Houston with confidence, you know, so it depends on right. when you win what you carry into the next game. Yeah, I do, and I, I do hope Brewers fans who are just, like, still chewing their fingers down to the third knuckle um, are paying attention to that other series, too. That's a dogfight going on over there, too, and it's 1-1. And guess what? The four best teams in baseball are playing, and these yeah. series are going to go long, and it's going to be some battles, and that's just the way it's going to be. 
You know, the Brewers had not lost in three weeks when they lost Saturday night. Three weeks. Yeah. And I know some of them were off days, but still, you know, I, I mean, did people really think they were going to win every game the rest of the year? Right. And they haven't lost two games in a row in a month. Um, so let me finish with this because I know it's on a lot of Brewers fans' mind. Uh, if the game goes to the seventh inning and the Brewers lead 3-2 or 4-3, it's a one- or two-run lead, is Jeremy Jeffress going to take the ball to the mound in the seventh, eighth, or ninth inning? Um, I, I want to say yes, that he's not going to uh, veer from practice, but if he hasn't used Knavel or Soria, well, also, will are you assuming Hader will have been used by then? Yeah, but yeah, I'm just I'm just wondering if you if your view has that Craig Council hasn't wavered in his trust of Jeffress in a high leverage situation late in the game. Yeah, I, you know, I, I I won't say it's totally unwavering, but he's keep, he has repeated over the last two days that the guys that got him here are the guys they got to keep getting out from. So, but you know, might he try somebody else first? I don't know. Uh, he was asked that he would let with three consecutive games here if he would let Hader throw three innings tonight and be available, um, not available for the next two games. And he had a great answer. He said, well, would we have the lead and would he throw three shutout innings? (laughs) That was a good answer. (laughs) Well, yeah. I mean, mean, it's anecdotal, but if you knew that Hader was going to throw three innings tonight and you win the game, you'll win the game. You do it. You do it. Yeah. Some people don't like that idea because he wouldn't be available in four and five. But, shoot, you win one. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Game, and then you worry about the next. I think that's the way council has approached it. Uh, Tom, it's fun, and I hope you enjoy it tonight. We'll uh, we'll visit at our traditional, we'll figure out a new time for tomorrow because it's a later game, but we'll work on that, and uh, we'll visit tomorrow. Sounds good. Thanks, Mike. Tom Hardicourt, our Brewers baseball insider from Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles, joining us on the program. And um, it's—I mean, listen, th- this is what you, this is what you're you're playing for. And every time you fail, the other fan base and the other media that covers the other team talks about their guys getting it done. So I mean, you can view it from either perspective, either prism. But uh, those Dodgers—that's uh, a great ball club. And uh, a series of great hitters, and that's why they have a $200 million payroll that Tom brought up there. That's why they have so much depth. Yeah, I, I thought uh, what he said, too, was interesting when he said uh, you just, just win one game. If you win one game, you're guaranteed. Not that that's all you want, but, hey, if you win one game, you're yeah. at least coming back to Miller Park. And uh, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good way of looking at it, too. Like, I, I, you don't want to go – obviously, you don't want to go 2-1 or 3-1 down and then win that one game. Um, but – just, just take at least one. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me add this to the to the conversation. Oh, let me do it on the other side. There, there's another scenario at play where the Brewers are concerned and what they have already done. And I want to share that with you because nobody's talking about what I'm going to say next. Nobody. 
zero. Nada. I'll tell you what that is. If you'll stick around, we continue our conversation statewide. Coming up next, this is The Mike Heller Show. So back with you as we continue on this Monday edition of the Mike Heller Show. Divided loyalties tonight or two TVs or however that works. Brewers and Dodgers, game three, series even at a game apiece. Dodgers Stadium in Los Angeles, first pitch at 639. Packers and 49ers tonight, 715 Lambeau Field in Green Bay. It is a Wisconsin versus California deal. And uh, I, I just want to give John a moment. So what happens tonight? Is it a Wisconsin sweep? Is it a split? Which way does it go? Is it a California sweep? All right, so I want you to okay. answer that in a moment, but oh, okay, not yet. Okay, okay. So uh, i give you time to think about it. I said that there is something at play which starts tonight that nobody's talking about. So here's, here's what's happened so far this year in late September and October for the Brewers. They clinched a playoff spot and celebrated in St. Louis. They won the division in game 163 and celebrated at Chicago. They won the division series in a sweep in Denver and celebrated in Colorado. In order to keep with tradition, they'll take the next three games in Los Angeles and celebrate at Dodger Stadium. I mean, that's right. I mean, yeah, that's, no one's talking about that. We forgot nope, all about right? celebrations on the road. Yeah. Celebrations are all on the road. They do not want to soil Miller Park until the World Series. So win tonight and then win tomorrow, which is a later game. That's after 8 o'clock tomorrow night. So win tonight, win tomorrow night, and then while we're doing our show Wednesday afternoon, Brewers and Dodgers will play game five. Go ahead, Brewers and five. What do you think? Uh, I like where your head's at. I like it. Yeah. And they have established a bit of a tradition. They have, and why not, not just keep that up? Yeah, keep it's that not really going. a small sample set either. It's three three times in four weeks. Um, all right, so you want me to tell you who wins? Yep. Okay, we'll start with the uh, NFL game, which I just remembered. Remember, there's a Packers game. 715 um, Lambeau Field, Green Bay. Packers and Niners. I feel like this game is going to kind of be like the Bills game in the sense that that Bills game was so boring, <laughs> but the Packers won. Uh, I think the Packers are going to win this one. Uh, I don't think the 49ers are any good. Now, with that being said, the baseball game. Hmm. Well, here's the way I look at it, Mike. Yoli Shasin's their best starter, right? I mean, they've got some great performances. Wade Miley's great, but Yoli Shasin has been their best starter. This team lost for the first time in their last 13 games. So this is still a really good team with its best starter. And Josh Hader available? And Kristen Yelich really hasn't gotten going yet? Like, I'm going to go with the Brewers. I'm going to go with the Wisconsin sweep. Packers at Lambeau, Brewers in L.A. Yeah, I'm with you. I was talking um, online earlier with uh, somebody I know over in Milwaukee, and he thought that the Brewers would um, lose tonight, win tomorrow, and then wasn't sure about Wednesday. Um, and I'll say this. I think that the Packers will win tonight. 
Uh, but And I don't even think it will be close. And I do think that the offense is going to find its mojo tonight. And it's going to leave a lot of Packers fans feeling confident about this team into the bye week. And the next time they'll play is 13 days from now in Los Angeles against the Rams. <laughs> I mean, that that's a tough assignment. And then a week after that in New England against the Patriots. So I think two things happen. I think uh, Aaron Rodgers, I think the Aarons have a really good night tonight. Rodgers and Jones. I think the Aarons are fantastic tonight, and the Packers win um, by three scores. Uh, I think they'll win by, you know, 17 points or more. Um, So that's number one. Number two, I like the Brewers' lineup against Bueller, but Walker Bueller has the best stuff on the Dodgers' staff. Simply the best stuff on the Dodgers staff. Uh, I do like the Brewers. I like their swagger. I like their confidence. Um, and, and I think that they have been good in these moments. So uh, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to take a uh, Wisconsin sweep tonight. One not close. And the other one, if it's close at Dodger Stadium, super interesting to find out and to see how – Canabel, Hader, and Jeffress are used. I mean, I think he would go, obviously. I don't think there's any doubt that Council will use Jeffress. Like, he won't hesitate to use him. But I I am interested to see how that will play out as to when. Well, if we hypothetical this, if okay. the Brewers led 2 to nothing after 5, you, you don't expect be that Hader. Chassin goes out there in the 6th. You would say Hader 6-7. Would Hader, and I thought he had diminishing returns when he went out for his third inning at Miller Park uh, in game one. So I would think Hader, if that were the case, I'd go Hader 6 7. You're still up 2 nothing. I would go Jeffress in the eighth. No, I'm sorry. Let me, uh, I had that backwards. I would go Knable in the eighth. I think that's. And if Knable yep. worked a easy, quick eighth, I'd run him back out there in the ninth. Not that I don't trust Jeffress, but I would. I would. Knable can turn around and go tomorrow. So can Jeffress if they go. But uh, I think if you went, you could go Hater and Knable to close. You could go two and two with those guys, or you could go three and one. But I would go two and two. Yeah, I could see that. I, and in fact, I, I, I kind of hope it plays out that way. Yeah, and it's be not because I wouldn't trust. I mean, listen, I, I've I mean, spent been, my it's, weekend. It's simply because I wouldn't trust Jeffress. Yeah, for not me. me. I've spent my weekend defending Jeffress on that front. And I've liked his uh, the, the way he threw with a couple of exceptions over the weekend. But if you could go Hater seven and or Hater seven eight six seven, and then Canable eight nine or Canable nine, um, that's a winning formula for me tonight. Can I first guess if that situation unfolds and Canable is available to go out another inning and he goes to Jeffress? I'm going to say right now I don't like it. I'm just going to say right now. I don't like it. Yeah, but let's be clear of why you don't like it. Because I don't trust Jeffress. And let's be clear about that. That is results-driven, which would sound obvious, but it's results-driven. Not that he hasn't thrown the ball well, but the result hasn't been what you wanted to be, so it leaves you feeling uneasy. Yes, that is the five postseason games and the one yeah. 
good game out of those five and the, the ERA over whatever it is. Yeah, it's stop. Uh, see, I, I, I took it one step too far with you. Now you're going to get into ERA and how many hits he's allowed. And the way and, and he gave Joel's up the, go the lead with, in the first game, and, the way Joel's he gave up go, the lead in the last game, the way. And, and then Finkelman will go. He's been on the mound for eight of the 11 runs scored against him or whatever that number is. Um, and that's all, that's all for me crap. I mean, that's not – they don't look at it that way. So, I don't know. It, it, listen, I, I think it's a blast. This is what we are fans of the game for, is for the Brewers to be in this position. They haven't been in this position since 2011 when they were in the NLCS. Prior to that, it was 1982. And I would gladly be wrong. Like if I, like I said, I'm already first guessing – if that situation, that hypothetical you just talked about played out. And I would love to be wrong because I think I'm like most fans watching this game. Like they know Jeffers has it. Like it's there. It's, it's potentially there. It's already been there in the postseason in one game. Um, but I think everybody just like myself, they're a little nervous because they've seen a lead go away. They've seen a lead uh, in the first game. They saw a lead go away in the last game. They saw him get pulled in another game. Like, I th- think we all believe it's there, and I'd love to be wrong if he does. If that scenario po- plays out and he does go with Jefferson in the ninth, love it. One, two, three inning, good. Boom. Maybe It'll Jefferson's just make back. you more nervous. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. I'd be more nervous than if he hadn't had the uh, the results, the statistics that he's had the last five. Right, and I, I guess I'm um, less likely on that. Uh, here, by the way, is the injury report. On the Packers, the deactive, um, the deactives, inactives tonight. Inactives is the word inactives. I was looking for. Inactive. Randall Cobb is inactive. Jair Alexander is inactive. Bashad Breland is inactive. Geronimo Allison is inactive. So they are still terribly shorthanded. Two in the secondary in Jair Alexander and Bashad Breland, and two receivers in Cobb and Allison. They are those four are the most significant on the injury list tonight. Um, so, again, depth at receiver and depth in the secondary is playing shorthanded tonight. Still, that being said, 17 points or better. The the Packers win tonight, and I think the Brewers-Dodgers game is a toss-up. I do. I think it's a toss-up tonight at Dodger Stadium. Uh, I think the most interesting thing to see is how the Brewers hitters handle Walker Bueller because he is outstanding. And how do the Brewers hitters, Kane Yelich Braun, Shaw Aguilar Mustakis, Kratz Arcia Chassin, how do the Brewers hitters handle handle Walker Bueller? Well, Chassin is is bound to get some sort of big hit at the plate. Yeah, because that's what uh, Brewers pitchers do. <laughs> apparently. Apparently that's the thing now. Yeah. Where would they I mean, be without Brewers pitchers? Right. Just hitting? think of the World Series when uh, if the Brewers are in that, when they're in that. And you are in the American League ballpark, and you get to use the DH, and the Brewers don't. They're just like, no, we're cool. We'll no, just... no, no, we don't need a DH. We're just going to have our pitcher hit. Uh, I and mean, Woodruff comes um, out and crushes I'm one. towards that. Or Woodruff DHs on the games he's not pitching in. <laughs> well, how about that? Uh, it's going to be fun. The first pitch tonight is 639 as the Brewers and Dodgers go in game three. A reminder, I tweeted this out earlier, but just a reminder for your schedule setting. Tonight, 639. Tomorrow night, 809. And on Wednesday, 405. All right, so those are the start times of the next three days. All games the rest of the way in this series 
are on TV on FS1. You know, it's funny for the guy who complains about regular season West Coast games. I know that's a later starter time than the 809, but I think the 809 is perfect. Just for my lifestyle, 809 is perfect for me. 639 yeah. is a, all right. 405 is the worst. Or 405 doesn't work for me. I no. mean, we're on the air. Great. We'll be in studio 405. Where, and, and the games will go four hours, so the 809, just keep that part in mind. It's going to end after midnight or at midnight um, central time. I'm okay with that part of it. It's the 405 on Wednesday that I'm most bothered by because for the first five innings of that game i'm in studio and then what do i do stay in the studio and watch it on that 14 inch tv or do i you know take the 30 minute commute home and miss whatever i miss and catch it only on the radio tough choices it's it's a first world problem all right uh john that'll take care of it from here i'm just so interested into what we're going to have to talk about tomorrow Jeff Patricus will join us tomorrow. Bill Huber will join us tomorrow. Tom Hardercourt will join us tomorrow. Hey, um, by the way, I, I'm interesting not, stuff to talk about. I'm not in tomorrow, so Finkelman will be in. So, oh my goodness, can you imagine the scenario? Nope, don't even bring it up. <laughs> there's because even with the Aaron Jones stuff that you guys talk about, like there's a Jeffress Aaron Jones crazy scenario that could happen that could just leave everybody with a headache after three hours tomorrow. Tomorrow's show could be a train wreck, depending on what happens tonight with the Packers and the Brewers. But we'll be on the air tomorrow at 3 o'clock. I will be at Anduzi Sports Sports Club in Green Bay prior to In the Huddle. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go Brewers. Go Packers. This is the Mike Heller Show. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.